We're going to look at that together in a minute. Um, if you are freezing in this room this morning, please raise your hand high. Okay, put your hands down. If, if, if you're like, please do not touch it, it feels great in here. Oh, okay. I'm freezing. I'm cold. My wife is getting ready to die. Um, and so I was like, well, maybe, maybe everybody's feeling that way, but apparently everyone is not feeling that way. So maybe, maybe we ha- I know we have zones in here, Mark. Maybe like next week we could have a warm section over here and the cold section over here and get people moving around. But to get people to sit in a different chair in a Baptist church is, le- I mean, and maybe it's every church. I just, that's what I know is Baptist. Did you notice this, that when we did the crazy chair setup, that people still sat in their respective area? Like, you're still all within about five feet of where you would have sat if the, if the chairs were, were switched the other way. How many of you um, have, uh, have caught, like, you know, during the service, you're like looking across the way, and, uh, and you actually caught someone else looking right at you at the same time, and it was like this really weird, awkward eye moment. <laughs> Did any of you have, have any of you had that yet? Okay, <laughs> yeah, a few, a few of you have are willing to admit it, yeah, okay, good, yeah. We're not going to do this forever. Um, it, honestly, I don't like preaching to it as much as I thought. I, like, I do feel like where I would most naturally look, there isn't anyone. Um, and so I, I really have to kind of do the tennis match back and forth thing up here. Um, I, I do want to say one more thing. If you were involved with VBS, just slip your hand up real high. If you, if you had some involvement with VBS, look around. I mean, that's like the overwhelming majority of our congregation um, and so, praise God. That was uh, uh, again. Thank you to Joseph and JC uh, and Lydia. Uh, and then, like Joseph is just like w- one of the best BBS people. Like God made him. When God was making him, he's like, "This guy is going to be good at BBS." Um, I'm going to give him a little extra BBS uh, superpower. And so, uh, thank you, brother, for leading us that way. And then, be in prayer this week. The teens are going to teen camp in Arizona. Uh, Joseph and JC are leading that. I'm going along because we needed an additional driver, and I'm always game to go to camp. So uh, there's a bunch of us headed off for camp, a, car- a three-vehicle caravan, uh, leaving early tomorrow morning. And so be in prayer for uh, us as we go to, as we go to teen camp um, in uh, at Grandview Christian Camp in uh, in Eager, Arizona. Uh, and then one final announcement uh, before I, we, we dive into the word here together this morning. It seems like every time God moves a family away that's, that's really a key part of the congregation, I think, oh, God, how, how are we going to get by, right? Recently, Josh and Nisa Ross left, and I mean, Josh has been leading our music team here for, you know, a couple of years now, I think, and you, know, you think, okay, Lord, what are we going to do? How are we going to get by? And uh, thankfully, uh, I'm encouraged to kind of let you know what God is doing behind the scenes here and what God is going to be doing in front of the scenes here starting in August. Um, Before we even knew that the Ross family was going to be leaving, um, God had begun working in David and Vicki Moore to bring them into the life of our congregation here. And those of you who know David and Vicki know that David's okay. Vicki, Vicki on the other hand, um, is extremely gifted musically and uh, has a track record in this community of serving the Lord and leading worship effectively. And uh, the elders, we've been talking about this and discussing it, and I've discussed it with the music team and informed them of uh, what, where we're headed and the direction we're going. So uh, in August, Vicki Moore will be leading our music ministry on Sunday mornings, and we're excited about that. Uh, as elders, we're excited about that. Uh, yeah, clap. I didn't anticipate that. That's awesome. 
Um, and, uh, uh, and I assure you that this is not some kind of like Pastor Matt and being nepotistic in his uh, desire to have his mom. Um, in fact, we had to convince him that it, would, it was going to be okay. No, I'm kidding. That's, that's not true either. Um, but uh, working under the oversight of the elders, she will be working alongside us to aid us in, in worshiping uh, the, God, the God that we talked about, you know, and we talked about singing a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, and I'm excited about, about the direction we're going. Our current music team, no one's getting cut. No one has to work. We've already talked with the music team. They're going to continue to minister. Um, uh, we've talked with Paula a lot about this because obviously she's the one who's been playing the piano. And she actually, in my first conversation with Paula, she said, I was actually hoping that this is the direction that things would go. And she has requested uh, a, a, time, a time off for a little while. She said, I'd really love to just have a break for a little while and ride to church with my family on Sunday mornings. Um, if you'll remember when Mark and Paula started coming, this is going to be kind of a repeat of um, um, very similar to what uh, David and Vicki are experiencing. It was the, I thought it was the second Sunday you guys came to Liberty. You said it was the third. The other, okay, so, it was, so the, from the third Sunday they even visited and began attending Liberty Baptist Church, Paula was the church piano player. So a well-deserved break, rest, we will, will, will allow for, for Paula. Um, so anyway, we're very excited about this, and we're eager to see how God continues to use the music ministry in our church uh, ministry program. And after the month of July, you'll be tired of me leading, and, uh, and it'll just it'll be wonderful. Um, so we're excited that God's brought you into our church family, and we're looking forward to how God's going to use you and continue to use the team that has been ministering um, effectively here for a number of years. So praise the Lord once again. Um, I you know, I always I get freaked out and worried every time. Oh no, we can't survive without so and so, and then uh, and then God shows us it's my church. You're going to survive just fine. So anyway, Acts chapter two. This is a verse that we referenced last week. We're going to look at it again this week. Acts chapter two, verse forty-two says this, and they that they is the believers who came to Christ here at Pentecost, the, the early church, the, that first group of believers who had put their faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And that's the phrase we're going to look at together this morning. Father, as we look into your word, I do pray that you would convict and convince and encourage us with it. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Groups of people often devote themselves together to something. They can devote themselves to things that are really good. They can devote themselves to things that are really bad. Sometimes groups of people devote themselves for good causes. We think of groups like the Red Cross or the YMCA or, or Gideon Bibles, or the LSU football team. And then sometimes people devote themselves to bad groups, right? Like Hamas, the terrorist organization, or, or Planned Parenthood, or the Alabama football program, right? People, people devote themselves to good causes and bad causes. There's good and there's evil in this world. And we see, we see those commitments. Uh, that's, that's just a stab at Jennifer. She, she's helpless to defend herself. She's not helpless to defend herself. It's the only time where only I can talk, and she has to sit there and be quiet, right? So before or after the service, she dish it right back out. 
In the, in the Bible, we see this exact same sort of thing. We actually see groups devoting themselves to, to bad things and groups devoting themselves to good things. In the group of Acts, you, in the book of Acts, you might remember that there was a group of people who wanted to see the apostle Paul killed, and so they devoted themselves. They said, we're not going to eat, we're not going to drink until we kill him. That was a bad thing to devote yourself to, and we don't know how those guys ended, but I'm assuming at some point they began eating again because they didn't succeed in killing Paul. In this passage, we see a group of people devoting themselves to something that's good. In fact, we see them devoting themselves to a number of things that's good, and one of those things is the practice that here is described as devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. We're going to unpack exactly what that means here, but they're, they're devoting themselves to a number of Christian practices. The, the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, the prayers, they are devoting themselves to these practices. And this series that we're working through together is called Church Together. And we talked about singing together the first week, and then we talked about praying together last week, and this week we're talking about learning together. And I'm using the word learning together because that was the, the best word that I could come up with, and I, I actually have Adri to thank for. She's the one who gave me the word learning. To, like I was talking about, I'm not sure exactly what word to use to try to describe what I mean when I say when we come together under the word of God. How do we devote ourselves to the apostles' doctrine? And learning isn't the perfect word. Growing might be a better word, but the idea of us together devoting ourselves to the authority of the Scripture being over us. That's one of the practices that we're looking at in this, in this series. And I want to remind us even what Pastor Tim Keller reminded, us, uh, reminded me of in a sermon that I've listened to, um, in a couple of different sermons that I've listened to. He, he argues, and I agree with him wholeheartedly, that, that actually it is our practices that develop Christian character, not our beliefs. Your, your practices, what you, what you do, is what actually develops your Christian character, not merely what you believe. It's not belief that shapes character, but practice. What we do will make us who we are. That goes for our personal practices, right? You can, you can believe that a healthy diet and exercise are good for you and will make you fit, but is belief enough to change your physical character. No, you actually have to you actually have to do it, right? You have to practice. You have to devote yourself to a healthy diet and exercise. Many people profess belief in Christ, but there is no devotion, there's no commitment to spiritual practices, and they have lives of character that are unchanged and are similar to the unbelievers around them. So, it's possible that they aren't even truly converted. True conversion results in growth, and gro growth results from spiritual practices. So spirituality, spirituality, spiritual character is developed by practices. Spirituality is profoundly physical. You, you devote yourselves to physical things, the, the apostles' teaching and prayers and the these practices that are here for the development of your spiritual growth. And this morning we're looking specifically at this devotion to the apostles' teaching. Here's my main point, and I know I don't have the stuff up on the screen this morning. We're just doing it the old-fashioned way. You have to just listen and remember. You can jot these things down. I'll try to make sure that I give them to you clearly as we walk through them. 
The title this morning is Learning Together. The main point is this. God's people collectively devote themselves. That word collectively is important. That word devote is important. God's people collectively devote themselves to living with Christ as their Lord. So you might be like, well, I thought you were talking about like the apostles' teaching, like listening to preaching. I thought that's what we were talking about this morning. That's what we're talking about. God's people collectively devote themselves to living with Christ as their Lord. And I'm going to show you that living with Christ as your Lord is to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. That, that's what the apostles were teaching. Okay, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. First of all, let's look at Christ dash the apostles' teaching. Then later we're going to look at devotion, which is dash the disciples' mindset. And number three, we will look at together the disciples' assumption. So Christ, the disciples' teaching, excuse me, the apostles' teaching. Number two, devotion, the disciples' mindset. And number three, together the disciples' assumption. Number one, Christ, the apostles' teaching. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, I've already given you the main point, but I'm going to reiterate the punchline of the sermon even before I develop it. I'm, we're just going to kind of hammer at it um, all the way through. Here's the point I'm driving at this morning God's people collectively devote to living with Jesus Christ as their Lord. These people here in the book of Acts, they express their collective devotion to God's word, the apostles' teaching. They, they knew they together were allegiant to God's truth, the word of God. I'm saying the same thing over and over. I'm just using different words each time. The, the apostles' teaching. Well, you, you can read through here, and, and you can read some of the sermons of the apostle Paul right here in the book of Acts as the early church is being established and as it's being developed. The apostles' teaching was simply what the apostles were teaching. Now, you and I know that what the apostles were teaching was all founded in the Old Testament. The scriptures that they had and that they were using were not Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, right? Revelation, Matthew, Mark. They, were, they had the Old Testament scriptures, and they were using the Old Testament scriptures to teach that Jesus Christ is this promised Messiah of the Old Testament. This is what the apostles were teaching. They were teaching that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we could preach a series of sermons on that, on this. Again, we're doing something a little different than normal and preaching through a topical series here this morning. And so when you preach a topical, I was telling someone earlier this week, I, I would much rather preach through a book of the Bible. It's so much easier. When you preach on a topic, you have to think about everything in the whole Bible that deals with that topic. And I'm not smart enough and don't have the capacity to do that week after week after week. I didn't even do that this week. So I'm not going to cover everything there is to know about the apostles' teaching, about the doctrine that's taught here in the Bible, but that's, what is, uh, that's what's being referred to here. When we, when we read the apostles' teaching, you can, you can think in terms of the, the Word of God, the, the, the law of the Lord, his commandments, his testimonies. They were, they were, teaching, they were teaching the apostles' doctrines. Friends, there, the, 
and, and um, to make it abundantly clear what I'm doing here this morning, this phrase, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I am expositing the word of God. I'm expositing this phrase, and we're going to work through that phrase, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, backwards. We're going to start with the apostles' teaching, then we're going to talk about devoted, the, the, uh, they devoted themselves, and then the last part we're going to talk about is that they, collective, group, plural, that they devoted themselves. That's, that's what I'm doing here this morning, is walking through that phrase backwards. The apostles' teaching and the word of God, brothers and sisters, the apostles' teaching, God's word uh, does many, many things. And when we think about God's word, we might think about rules for living, and we might think about regulations for life, and we might think about the wisdom of Proverbs, and we might think about the strange stories in the Old Testament, right? I'm reading through Leviticus right now, my, my personal Bible reading, and here I am again with all these clean and unclean laws, and what does that matter even for me today? And we might think a lot of things about the Word of God, but brothers and sisters, the Word of God has a focus, and the apostles' teaching had a focus, I've already mentioned it. That focus was Jesus Christ. They weren't merely teaching rules and regulations about how to live a morally upstanding life. They were saying Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Their teaching, the apostles' teaching, had a focal point, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the apostles' teaching. They weren't merely calling upon people to commit themselves to a specific way of living. They were calling people to commit their lives to Jesus Christ. It's not about conformity to a religious organization or to religious regulations. They, they were calling them to live committed under the lordship and the authority of Jesus Christ. And the way that the apostles were doing this with the early church was teaching them the Word of God. The way they did it was through knowing the Word of God. And brothers and sisters, the way that we do it is through knowing the Word of God. To be devoted to the apostles' teaching, to be devoted to Jesus Christ, is to be devoted to the written Word of God. We're to be committed to living under Christ. And the way that we do this is knowing Him through knowing the written word. You know the living word through knowing the written word of God. You know the living word through knowing the written word of God. Every world religion has a written word. They have a book that teaches their religion. There is only one world religion that has a living word. That's, that's us. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is referred to as the Word. Why would Jesus be referred to as the Word? That's a, to us, in our experience, that's kind of a weird way to describe someone, to use the Word as a description for a person. Well, when you stop and think about it, one of the ways that you actually know someone, you know anyone, is through their words. It's really hard to have a relationship with someone if there's no verbal communication. I, I know you because you express yourself to me through your words. You, you talk to me and you tell me what you love and what you hate and what you're anxious about and what you're excited about. And you tell me about your kids and you tell me about your truck and you tell me about your guns. And, you and I learn about you and vice versa. And our words are how we express ourselves to someone else 
And God knows this, and God knows that his perfect self-expression came in the form not only of the written word of God, but God expresses himself most clearly and most completely in the living word of God, Jesus Christ. This is the apostles' teaching. The way that we know the living word of God is through the written word of God. And let me say this, it's the only way. You learn of Christ by learning from the apostles' teaching, by learning from the word of God. Do you say that you love Jesus, but you don't read your Bible, or you don't value the Scripture, or you don't take seriously the study and teaching and preaching of the Scripture? If you say you love Jesus, but you don't love or value any of those things at all ever, then you don't love Jesus You cannot say that you love Jesus and ignore the written word of God. Now, I'm not talking, please understand, I am not saying, now, if you don't read your Bible for an hour and a half, seven days a week, that you don't love Jesus. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm not establishing some kind of legalistic standard. But let me say this, you cannot say that you love the living word of God and ignore the written word of God, because it is only, I'm going to prove this biblically here in just a second, it is only through the written word of God that you can know the living word of God. It's the only way to know the living word of God. The only way to know Jesus Christ is through the scripture. And you might say, but what about Psalm 19? Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. What about Romans chapter 1 that says that we know that there is a God in the natural creation and the things that have been created? And that's absolutely true. We do know that there is a God and that he is powerful. Romans chapter 1, Psalm 19, other places throughout Scripture teach us that you can know that there is a God, that there is a God, but you will not know that that God sent the perfect expression of himself, the living word of God, in the person of Jesus Christ through looking at the mountains or a sunset or the beach or something beautiful in creation. You will not know the living word of God, Jesus Christ, any other way than through the scriptures. And I'm afraid that there may be some who really do think they love Jesus, but they love the idea of them being a lover of Jesus. They don't really love Jesus because to love Jesus is to love the written word of God. John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. Now, keeping God's commandments, that doesn't merely mean I keep the Ten Commandments and so therefore I love Jesus. Keeping the commandments of God, that's another way. It does include obeying his law, but keeping the commandments of God has the idea of I, his commandments, his law, the, li- the, the written word of God is something that I keep. I keep these things. These are in my heart. This is in my life. I know and love the word of God, and I therefore love God. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, by this we know that we have come to know him. If we, if we keep his commandments, verse 4, whoever says, I know him, but doesn't keep his commandments, is a liar. 
And the truth is not, I'm not saying you're a liar if you don't keep and love the word of God. The word of God is saying you're a liar if you don't keep and love the word of God. Jesus is called the word in John chapter 1. He's revealed to us to, uh, as the word. It's, it's how you know him. So, like I said earlier, you don't get to know him watching the sunset. In a sunset or in a summer thunderstorm or an ocean wave, you can see that God is and that he is powerful, but you don't know that Jesus is the Christ. You don't know that he is merciful. You don't know that Jesus is... How are you going to know Jesus? You won't know that Jesus is merciful by watching a sunset. You don't know that he is merciful until you see him with the woman at the well. Where do you see him with the woman at the well? You won't know that he is patient by watching a summer thunderstorm. You will know that he is patient when you see him with Peter after his resurrection. You don't know that he's wrathful and full of justice until you see him overthrowing the tables in the temple. Brothers and sisters, you will know of Christ through the written word of God. God will not somehow magically communicate him to you on a mountainside. Let me make it clear that you know him in the word. It's not just in the New Testament either. You don't know that he is a sacrifice for sin until you see him in the sacrificial system of Leviticus. You won't know that he is the only way to the Father until you see him in Noah's ark. You don't know that he desires to dwell with his people until you see him in the tabernacle. Do you see that the Old Testament and the New Testament, the written word of God, are putting on display for us the living word of God, the apostles' teaching, the word of God, the scriptures, the law, the Bible. It's all about Jesus. And so devotion to Jesus does look like devotion to the written word of God. It does look like people who have their Bibles open. It looks like people who assemble to hear a Bible being open and being explained to them. It looks like people who, I'm getting way ahead of myself. Sorry, I'll just stick to my notes. Back to this. First of all, the, the, uh, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, which is the word of God which reveals to us the living word of God. So first of all, we see that Christ is the apostles' teaching. Number two, this is something that they were devoted to. They devoted themselves to know and study it. How many of you, well, I won't ask for a raise of hand, many of you know that this is true, that if you have a personal Bible time once a week, once a day, that sort of thing. You call this your personal devotions. Isn't it interesting that we use that word? When we use that word as our personal Bible time, we don't often think about what that word means in our normal everyday living in life, right? If someone says, I'm devoted to something, you know what that means. But when we think about it in light of like our Bible reading, we don't usually think of it as meaning what it actually means. That like I'm I'm devoted to something. They were they were committed. We understand what it means to commit to things. We understand what it means to be devoted to things. All of us do. Our kids join a basketball team, and we say you have to stay committed to the team. You have to make the practices. You have to be there. Um, you have to make the practices. You can't 
uh, skip games, that sort of thing. You're, you're committed to this. You're devoted to this. Brothers and sisters, devotion in life is incredibly helpful. Devotion is more helpful than you may realize. To be committed to something, and I'm using the word committed and the word devoted synonymously. To be devoted to something and committed to something helps us in so many areas of life. Think about the things that you're devoted to or that you're committed to. And consider how easy or how much easier it makes life for you. Okay, think about this with me. I am devoted to some things. I am devoted to my wife, Angie. I don't wake up every morning and wonder, what woman will I be devoted to today? Thank the Lord, right? I'm devoted to my children. I don't I don't have to wake up every day and figure out, hmm, I wonder whose kids I'm going to take care of today. Where, who's, where am I going to spend my money? You know, whose braces am I paying for you know, right now? No, I'm, devotion makes a lot of things in life easy and simple, and I know this is, what I'm, this is what I'm devoted to. Many are committed to things like, I mentioned exercise and, and, uh, and uh, diet earlier, Many people are committed, they're devoted to a fitness program. And, and, and the, the beauty of being committed to something is that you just, you know whether you feel like it or not, you know what's, what the right thing to do is. I'm committed to this thing, I'm devoted to this thing. I don't have to wake up and wonder, am I going to eat oatmeal instead of biscuits and gravy, right? Like you just, I'm committed to this thing, I'm going to do it. Devotion helps us tremendously. And devotion together helps us even more, right? Like if, if, I'm, if I'm accountable to some other people for this thing that we're devoted to, well now, I mean, if we're all going to eat oatmeal every morning together and we've devoted ourselves to that, like, man, I would probably drop my devotion to this thing, but, uh, you know, I know that someone's going to ask me if I ate my oatmeal this morning. I don't care for oatmeal. I, tr- I mean, I have tried. I want to like oatmeal. Oatmeal, if you like oatmeal, raise your hand. Yeah, see, like I think I'm in the minority. Angie makes this thing called baked oatmeal that I really like, but it's like got chocolate chips and stuff in it, right? And it's baked, and it doesn't doesn't taste like oatmeal. It tastes like an oatmeal cookie, but big. Um, and she tells me that it's good for me, so I'm like, great, that's fine. I'll eat anything that's good for me if it tastes good. Um, that was not in my notes either. <laughs> Devotion helps us, brothers and sisters. Think about this. I mean, I hope that I, I hope already where I'm going with this is clear and plain. There are going to be times where I may not feel like remaining devoted to things that I'm devoted to. But being devoted helps me remain devoted. I may not feel like reading. I may not feel like coming to church. I may not feel like submitting to God's word. Who cares what you feel like? You're, you're devoted to the thing. Moms don't get up and take care of their kids at 2 a.m. because they feel warm and fuzzy about their kids. They're committed to them. They're devoted. Brothers and sisters, I, I, want, to, I want to encourage you to be devoted to learning. That's the word I'm using here this morning, to learning the word of God. I just want to call, I want, I want, some of you need to just kind of plant a flag 
and let today be the day that you just decide, I'm, I'm in on this thing. I'm going to be in the Word personally. When the church is doing a church thing, I'm, I'm committed to the Word of God. And I'm, I'm not going to wonder every Sunday, do I go this Sunday or not? I'm devoted, I'm committed to this thing. I've been saved and I'm committed to the Word of God. They were devoted to gathering, to learn the apostles' doctrine. We should be devoted ourselves to know and study the Word of God. And so when you sit here with an open Bible and a submissive spirit, you're devoting yourself to the Word of God. They not only devoted themselves to learning, to knowing the Word of God, they devoted themselves to obeying the Word of God. To obeying the Word of God. Now, when you think about this for a second, this goes so counter to our culture, the culture that we're in right now, right? Where I am the sole authority, and there is no, there is no one else and nothing else that can tell me what is right and wrong. We used to say follow the science, but we don't even, we don't even like, even science can't tell me anymore. I was watching an interview, and someone said, how many genders are there? And the person said, said there's, no, there's no number. There's a limitless number of genders, right? And I'm not trying to make fun of people who may struggle with gender dysphoria. I realize that that's the thing, and we have Christ, and, our, and our, the, the Word of God has hope and help for anyone who struggles with anything. But, like, there, there, is, there is no source of authority in our world, for many in our world. And so for us to say, I'm going to devote myself not only to knowing and studying this word and knowing the, knowing the living word through the written word, but I'm going to obey the apostles' teaching. I'm actually going to commit myself to obey. If the Bible says thou shalt, I'm going to shall. And if the Bible says thou shalt not, I'm going to shout not. Like I'm devoted to this thing. Philosophy changes, right? I studied counseling, and so you know I would study stuff with B.F. Skinner, or I would study stuff with, with Sigmund Freud, I would study stuff with you know, th- w- uh, Piaget, different philosophers through the years, and they, they all had their, like it, as, as time progressed, they would change, and they would say, this is the problem with man, and here's how to fix it, and another guy would come along and say, nope, that's not the problem, this is the problem, and here's how to fix it, right? And, and for us to base our, like to devote ourselves to the philosophy and teaching of man, I mean, 50, 60 years from now, our kids are going to look back and go, why, why were you committed to that? That's weird. We all know, now know that that was weird. We, but when we commit ourselves to the Word of God, when we devote ourselves to the Word of God, brothers and sisters, it is never proven to be outdated or stupid or bad science or embarrassing. There, there are some in our culture who may, who may view it that way, but it isn't. Brothers and sisters, these these, the early church, they, they had devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I'm going to call you to devote yourselves to the same. And then thirdly and finally, they devoted themselves, number three, together. This was the disciples' assumption. And I'm using the word assumption here again because I, don't, I just wasn't able to come up with a better word to describe that like they, they were in this thing together and it never occurred to them to do it any other way than together. They, plural, collectively devoted themselves to Jesus Christ, to the apostles' teaching. The people of God have always been a people, plural, 
They've always been together. God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees to be the father of a, of a group of people. Jesus himself is the firstborn of a nation of people. And this idea of gathering for the purpose of learning from God's word is ancient. It's all the way, it's not just a New Testament thing. In uh, Ezra, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And then skipping down a few verses, they read from the book of the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. People, in this case Ezra, taking the word of God, opening the word of God, reading the word of God, explaining the word of God so that the people understood the sense this thing has been going on. What we're doing this morning has been going on for thousands of years. The early church was doing it. The epistles were written to groups of people so that they would know how to do life together. One of the verses that we often look to, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, talks about not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The author of Hebrews recognizes that the people of God should be committed to gathering under the word of God, under the authority of God. They don't neglect to meet together. And here's, let me, let me try to give you what I believe is a, is a helpful um, application, a way to think about meeting together with God's people. We miss lesser important things for more important things. This is, this is how we as a family have tried to think through what do we miss church for. You need to figure out a way. So again, if I'm committed to this thing, this is what I'm committed to. So I need to have some way of knowing, and, and we all do this, right? Like if you're going to miss a day of school, if you're going to miss a day of work, there are reasons why you would miss a day of school, and there are reasons why you would miss a day of work, and you have, you have reasons. You think through, here's, here's what's worth missing a day of work for me. Here's what's worth missing a day of school for me. And brothers and sisters, I actually think it's a helpful thing to think through, wh- how, how am I going to work through whether or not I'm going to gather whether I'm going to neglect meeting together this Sunday or not. And I'm not saying that there aren't perfectly legitimate reasons to do so. I, I'm not going to establish some kind of external law on you that, hey, if, if we miss for this reason, Jeremy's going to get us. Who cares about Jeremy? Don't neglect to meet together. Figure out a reason why and, think, and, and have a way for you to know that you're committed to something. Um, if, if your kids are on a basketball team, you know what you're willing to let them miss a practice for or not. I think it's worth thinking through that with church as well. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13 says, give attention to the public reading of Scripture. There's this idea of, of uh, the word public's not in the verse, but it's assumed in the passage. Give attention to the public reading of Scripture. Paul's instruction to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 2, to preach the word. Again, that's written to a collective group of people. He's telling Timothy, preach the word to the gathered church. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 talks about the word of Christ dwelling in you richly. The, these, these epistles in the New Testament are written to groups of people. And, and, and you may ask, but is it necessary now? Jeremy, when the Bible was written, it was written at a time where like, the only way that you were going to, to disseminate information was for a bunch of people to get together 
and, and, then, uh, and then, you know, somebody needs to communicate that stuff to them. Technology lets us imagine that we can get away with online church and that the problems that come with people and pastors we can avoid and we can still kind of get the delivery of information. I've heard many times lately of people who consider themselves part of a church because they watch the online service of a church that may not even be in the same state that they're living in. Is that okay? Is that okay? Is that okay for us just to have an online, personal, I watch this church on Sunday, I read my Bible all week, I love God, I talk to other people about God, I am perfectly fine. Is that okay? Well, friends, I think it's important to realize that God could have set the whole thing up differently from the beginning. He, he could have arranged a, a individualized religion from the very beginning. He could have had it that he sends out his apostles and they evangelize people. They tell them about Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. You should follow him. They give them a Bible and they say, God bless you. You're good until Jesus comes and takes you back. And then he goes to the, they go to the next person. And they, God, could have set, God could have set this thing up any way he wanted to. He could have made it this perfectly individualized thing. You pray the sinner's prayer. You're on your way to heaven. Good enough for now. Off you go. Instead, Jesus says, I'm building something. It's like a body. And I want you to be part of it. And this body is going to bring me glory. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you, along with everyone else, abilities and gifts so that you use those abilities and gifts within the body. And some of you are going to be fingers, and some of you are going to be arms, and some of you are going to be toes, and some of you are going to be noses, and some of you are going to be ears and lips and eyes. But, but you all need each other. And I'm doing it this way on purpose. This is going to bring me great glory and you'll be better and stronger together. Jesus himself sets this up this way on purpose. We are meant to do life together. And you might say, yeah, but that's the hard part. That's the hard part. Yes, yeah, it is. Christianity would be, pastoring would be easier without all of you. Jesus says, I'm building something and it's going to bring me glory. And there are scriptural reasons why this is good. God's Spirit is present in a unique way when we're gathered together. Does the Holy Spirit indwell you as an individual personally? Yes, absolutely. Praise God. I mean, you can live a life that, that evidences the fruit of the Spirit in you. But in Matthew chapter 18, in a passage that's actually referring very specifically to church discipline, the scripture says that where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Now, please don't, don't, don't misinterpret that passage by making, by twisting it to think, I don't need the church as long as I've got one or two other Christians with me, I have a church. That's not what he's saying. What Jesus is saying is even in the smallest of churches, I'm there in the midst and I will help you with the church discipline situation that you may be dealing with. So many people kind of quote that as like, a, I can be at the lake every Sunday for the rest of my life. I'm good to go because where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst of them. Yes, that's true, but that is not what that's referring to. But when we are gathered as God's people in a unique way, the Spirit of God is with us. And I'm not sure that I even fully understand all that that means. 
when we're gathered together, we can hold each other accountable. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We need each other to invest in each other, to call each other, to encourage each other, to look at each other in the eyes and say, turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face so that the things of this earth, which are, which are huge in your eyes right now, they need to grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We need each other to sing to each other to help each other, to hold each other accountability. We need each other in order to stay true to Scripture. I think Will and I were talking about this. You ever meet that person who like knows the Bible really, really, really well? He's not attached to any kind of church. He doesn't really like church. But he knows stuff about the Bible that you're like, you listen to him and you're like, I've never heard that before. Like he's coming, he's got wacky ideas. And, and he's all by himself, and he's reading weird old books all by himself, and he's just coming to weird conclusions, or she is coming to just weird conclusions, and you're like, I don't, I'm not sure that that's what we're supposed to be believing. Okay, you don't have to raise your hand. I've interacted with a lot of people in my life where I've thought, man, like, I, that's, nobody believes that, bro. I'm not sure where you're getting that. We, we actually need each other. We need help from one another in order to understand, to stay true to the Scripture. The Bereans were people that when Paul showed up and preached the gospel to them, they went and searched the Scripture to see whether those things were true. And the Bereans together said, yes, this is, this is true according to the Scripture. And we help each other understand and learn and grow. Right? You remember the Jew named Apollos? He was a man who was eloquent, mighty, competent in the Scriptures. And God says that he used a couple, Priscilla and Aquila, to help them. This is in uh, Acts chapter 18. Priscilla and Aquila helped Apollos understand the Scriptures. There, there was help and aid from being together and being with one another. Friend, and I'm concluding, are you, are you part of God's people collectively devoted to living with Jesus Christ as your Lord? Do you know the living word through the written word? Believer, there are some believers who need to quit fooling themselves and thinking that they love Jesus when they don't love Jesus. They think they love the living word, but they don't love the written word. You need to be devoted to Christ and be devoted to his word in the context of a community. You need, with a heart full of gospel gratitude, to say, God, I'm in. I'm devoted. Don't think you'll earn favor with God by being here every time the church doors are open. If you think that, you've missed the point. But if you think you can ignore what's going on every time the church doors are open, I think you've missed the point as well. Let me encourage you. Let me encourage you to get to a point to be committed, to be devoted, to think, to know, I'm in. Sunday worship, I'm in. Sunday school, I'm in. Special services, I'm in. Summerfest, I'm in. My kids, my teens, I'm in. Like, we're in. We're committed to this thing. I'm not talking about an exhausting schedule where, good heavens, every night of the week, where some of us have been in those situations before. That is not what I'm talking about. But brothers and sisters, there are, there are, there are very, very few, if any, of us who are like overcommitted to the apostles' teaching. Let's be honest. We're, we're overcommitted to a lot of other stuff. We are not overcommitted to Christ. We're not. I'm not. 
I might be overcommitted to hunting. I might be overcommitted to a lot of other things. I'm not overcommitted to Christ. And if this church doesn't suit you, if this isn't the place for you to do it, then find one that is going to help you to be devoted to the apostles' teaching and commit there. You might think, that's a weird thing for a pastor to say. I'm, like, I'm more committed to this idea than I am than to you being in this specific place to do it. Find the place and be committed to Christ through his written word. And if you're an unbeliever here this morning, the first step for you is to turn and trust in the focus of the apostles' teaching in Jesus Christ. Their teaching was that God created, that we sinned, and that Christ came, and that you must turn and trust in him as the Messiah. God's people did then and do now collectively devote themselves to living with Jesus Christ as their Lord. Bow your heads and close your eyes. I ask Paula to come to the piano, and we'll sing together of our Christ, of our Redeemer here in just a moment. If you have questions about any of this, if you would like to talk to me or one of the other pastors, if you don't know that, that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then you can do it right there in your seat by simply repenting of your sin and putting faith in Jesus. You can talk with one of us. We'd be happy to visit with you after the service about that. I think many of us need to realize the great work, the glorious work that the Word, the living Word has done for us. And we need to commit ourselves to knowing Him through the written Word. Father, I pray that you would do this work in our hearts together. Lord, that we would be people who collectively devote ourselves to living with Jesus Christ as our Lord. We pray these things in His name. Amen.